That was really good. 2,000 years ago, an event happened that changed the world forever. Literally forever. And everyone who was there saw it from a different vantage point. Some's lives were changed forever. Others never even saw it. Some came to look for it. Some missed it entirely. You ever been to an event or seen something happen with a friend, and then you both went to describe it, and you find yourself wanting to say to your friend, were you even there? I mean, you both look at the same event, the same situation, and you describe it entirely different from one another. You can well imagine that I've done a lot of marital counseling in my 37 and a half years of ministry. And every once in a while, I wanted to say out loud and probably have at some point or the other, are you two living in the same house? You're both describing your relationship. You're both describing what's going on in your life. But it sounds like it's coming from two entirely different vantage points. If you're going to buy a house and the two of you are together, one will look at it and see an enormous amount of work. And another person will look at the same house and see a good return on the investment, right? It's all how you look at it. One will see an enormous amount of work. One will say, I can make something out of this. You know as well as I do that some people's trash is another person's what? Treasure. They're looking at the same thing. They see the exact same thing, but they look at it from an entirely different vantage point. Let me ask you a question here this morning. Is this half full or half empty? How many of you see it half full? How many of you see it half empty? You're looking at the same thing. But we're all going to look at it from an entirely different vantage point. Let me ask you about this. Look at this picture real quick and tell me what you see. How many of you see the old woman? Wow. How many of you see the young girl? Same picture, exact same picture. Some will see an old woman, some will see a young girl. Now, I don't have time this morning to point it out to you. If I had a laser pointer, I would, because some are sitting there going, that's impossible. How about this one? How many see the candlestick? Wow, only a few of you. The rest of you see what? Two faces looking at one another. Same slide. Same picture, seen in two different ways. All depends on how you see it, and more importantly, what you're looking for. Over the last number of months, we've been on a journey in Old Testament, New Testament characters. And as we continue that journey, I thought it would be really important for us, or at least something that I sensed I wanted to do, and spend our Christmas series also unfolding and unpacking the story of different characters. Last Sunday morning, the two most popular, the ones we know the most, Mary and Joseph. This morning, I want to look at the same story in the same chapter, but two different people that look at it vastly different from one another. And these two are probably a little less familiar than the two last Sunday morning. Now, we're in Luke chapter 2 this morning, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. There's a pew Bible around you somewhere. Certainly, you can use that. If you don't have one, we'd love for you to take it home. We want you to be in the Word of God. It's going to be on the screen And so I'd love for you to follow along as we do. The story is familiar. It's out of Luke chapter 2. And if you've been like I have been in a family where we talk about the Christmas story on a regular basis, it's probably one of those stories that you have heard, read, or have read yourself over and over again. 
The second piece of that is also in Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read that this morning as well. It's one that we normally don't look at very often when we talk about the Christmas story. The one is the most familiar, the first seven verses of Luke 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census would be taken in the entire Roman world. It was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Second story, Luke chapter 2, verse 21. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given to him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it was written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male will be consecrated to the Lord. We get our history of dedicating children, as we did this morning to Carolina, from this particular context as well as one from the old. They came there to offer a sacrifice in keeping what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves and two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms, and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in sight of all nations a light for the revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. Same chapter, same event, same story, two entirely different responses. You will see what you're looking for. Now, if we're really honest, when I'm going to talk this morning about the innkeeper, I'm going to use it in a hypothetical context. You know as well as I do, we don't really even know if there was an innkeeper. We're not even sure what it looked like. If you know anything about Old Testament history or New Testament history in the first century, it wasn't necessarily like you and I would picture. It wasn't a Motel 6 that they were going to who always leaves the light on, and they did in this particular context because they were full. It was a house. That's why the NIV version translates it guest room. We're used to the King James version that we read all the time, no room for them in the inn. The NIV translates it guest room, which is most likely what it was. And there was no room there. My father and I had been to Mali, West Africa in 1992 that I'll talk about in a moment. And the first time we went there, I thought I had taken a trip back into time. Because I'd seen these homes that I'd seen pictures of all my life in New Testament, first century Jerusalem with a home and a place on the top and the animals in the same house with them there also in that particular context. And I thought, here's a nation in 1992 that is very similar to what I saw in pictures in first century Jerusalem. But let's say hypothetically there really was an innkeeper. He's been beat up for years. I mean, everybody looks at him saying, what do you mean no room for them in the inn? I mean, this is Mary and Joseph. Do you not know this is the son of God we're talking about here? If nothing else, the gal is nine months pregnant. That's the best you could do? But let's give him the benefit of the doubt. He didn't know who they were. Didn't know who the baby was. Everyone's rushing around, a census to be taken. The first one in a long period of time, it brought more people into town than expected. 
Before I came here, I was in Cattersport, Pennsylvania for 10 years. It's the hunting capital of Pennsylvania. Everybody that I know or everybody I've come across at some point or the other knows a little bit about Potter County. Somebody has a camp up there or a friend up there. They go hunting up there or bear hunting or deer hunting up there. The first year I was there, I realized and recognized that the population of Cattersport tripled during hunting season. People from everywhere, all walks of life, all kinds of clothes and all kinds of environment. You knew which ones were the flatlanders. You knew which ones were born there. You knew the city slickers from the people who belonged there. But that population of that town tripled. You couldn't find a loaf of bread in that particular town during that time of the year. Here, every room was full. The guy's busy. Things are crazy. He just didn't see that the greatest event in the history of the world was about to take place right there. I mean, all of history is marked by this event, either B.C., before Christ, or Anadomini, which means in the year of our Lord. All of history is marked by this particular event, but he didn't see it. And quite honestly, he may not even been looking for it. If we're honest, just really honest, it's easy for us to see how busy one can get and so preoccupied with so many things to do that we can miss some really special moments. I get so maxed out this time of the year. Sometimes it's hard to be able to process all the things and keep them all straight. Some of them my fault, some of them my schedule, some of it because of what I do, some because of events this time of the year. But sometimes I found myself just wanting to quiet down just for a moment, to take a breath, to stop, and enjoy the moment, and more importantly, enjoy some really special relationships. But it's so easy this time of the year to have so many events going on, so many things that have to happen, so many things that take place, so many things on our to-do list, so much shopping to do, so much that we miss the moment. We all know that there's a lot of stress in life, and sometimes, if we're really honest, a lot of the stress and busyness in life is self-imposed or us at least trying to do too much because sometimes we get all stressed out, not because of all we have to do, but because all we have to do is taking prominence over what we really need to do. You get that? Sometimes we get stressed out, not because of all we have to do, but because all we have to do has taken prominence or precedent over what we really need to do. Sometimes it's easy to get our priorities out of line and miss some really powerful moments. I don't know, hypothetically speaking, maybe the guy just didn't want to be bothered. Or at least didn't want to go out of his way to do a lot. I'm not sure, I'm just wondering. You ever seen those mom and pop hotels or motels, even before Motel 6, that had no vacancy signs out front all the time? And you often wondered, were they really that full? Is that place really that busy that all of a sudden as I drive by, the no vacancy sign blinks? Probably because they saw me coming. I'm not sure, but it's interesting that that happens. To be honest with you, not all of them are full. But they don't have the kind of staff necessary to take care of a 24-hour day business. So at some given point, I have heard that some of them will just at some particular point in the evening at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, turn on the vacancy sign or no vacancy sign and go to bed. I've often wondered, have I ever done that with Jesus? Just kind of flipped up my no vacancy, not now sign and didn't take the time to really spend some quality moments with him every single day. Most likely, they're just too busy. If we're not careful, it could easily happen to us specifically this time of the year. 
And really, if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves wishing the Christmas season away because it's just so busy. Could it be, hypothetically speaking, that Mary and Joseph didn't have a lot to offer him? How easy that would be to do. To ignore someone that either doesn't fit or we don't know or doesn't look like they connect to us and cater to those who are more important and at least could do something for us. Or could it be that he wasn't even looking for it and so never saw it? He never expected God's plan, although it had been predicted for hundreds and hundreds of years, he never expected God's plan to be carried out this way, so he wasn't looking for it. Do you ever know anyone whose expector has expired? I mean, they expect nothing, so they see nothing. Have that pessimistic view of life. They never see anything good. They're always looking for the bad, or at least always notice the bad. Their glass is always half empty. Years ago, a man in South Africa discovered the world's largest diamond at that particular point. It was about the size of a small lemon, and he wanted to get it to the London office as quickly and safely as possible. So he got a steel box, hired four men to carry it. When it arrived, they unlocked the steel box, and much to their surprise, the diamond wasn't in there. It was just a lump of coal. Three days later, by partial post, in an ordinary box, the diamond arrived. The discoverer and owner of the diamond said nobody would pay attention to an ordinary box. 2,000 years ago, God came wrapped in an ordinary box, and a lot missed him. Enter Simeon. He didn't. His story is found in Luke chapter 2. It's one that I read a moment ago. Most of us would see him as somewhat of an older man near the end of his life. I find it interesting after all of my experiences in Africa that in their context, they ignore youth and respect age. Here we lift up youth and ignore the aged. My father happens to be here this morning, and we went to Mali in 1992. I wanted to make sure that after hearing all of his stories about mission trip that he and I went on one together. Didn't know that he would go on 10 or 15 more after that, but I wanted to make sure I went on that one. And so we found ourselves in Mali, West Africa, in one of the most amazing environments I'd ever seen. 250 miles from any natural light. You talk about the African sky. When it lit up at night because there was no other city around for hundreds and hundreds of miles, it was absolutely breathtaking. When we arrived there, found out that he was the oldest man in the group. And so they, again, revere the aged. So they gave him a chicken. (laughs) Next community we went to, another chicken. One community they gave him a goat. Now, I'd seen this man take a lot of things home on the plane, but I had no idea how he's going to get the goat on the plane. They said, it won't really matter. He won't be going with you. Not my dad, the goat. (laughs) And he became our final meal before we left. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have added that part. For (laughs) All of you who are goat lovers, where do you think it comes from? (laughs) Fascinating in that environment how they revere age. And revere the aged in our context, we kind of shelve them away. Simeon may have been one of those. He finds himself in an environment where all his life he'd been looking forward to a major event, this one specifically. And when it came, he didn't miss it. Find a fascinating parallel in Jeremiah 29 when God says, You seek me, you will find me. But when you do it with all your heart. The word waiting in verse 25, you see there in that context when it says waiting for the consolation of Israel, 
That word waiting is also translated looking. It means looking with the intent to see, not just this casual observant, looking over the crowd, keep on going, but I really want to see. I really want to notice you. I really want to see you. I really want to focus on you, looking with the intent to see. One of the things I always talk about in premarital counseling and marital counseling is that one of the keys to a really good relationship is communication. And one of my definitions of communication is listening with the intent to hear. And obviously, I'm addressing men. Because you know as well as I do, we only hear half of what we want to hear. And most of the time, we want them to trunk it down to just two bottom lines, maybe one. And then I'll hopefully remember what it is you told me to do because I forgot already why we're having a conversation. Listening with the intent to hear in his context, looking with the intent to see. I don't want to miss it. This man is on a mission to find something valuable. Henry David Thoreau said, Many an object is not seen, though it falls within the range of the visual eye. It may be right in front of us, and we may not see it. Have you ever walked by someone you know you know, and you ignored them? Not because you wanted to, not because you didn't want to be around them, not because you saw them coming. But you were so preoccupied with so many other things, you didn't even notice and walked on by. We pass by something familiar and sometimes not even see it. Simeon saw Jesus because he was looking for Jesus. And he came, obviously, with the right attitude. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he wouldn't die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And so moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. And he knew what he was looking for. And when he saw it, he responded to it. Years ago, I want to be sensitive to the story. I had one of the gals say, there's somebody downstairs that wants to see you, and you're the only one he wants to talk to. And so I walked into the room. I had him in a conference room, and as I walked into the room, the Spirit of God said to me, he's dying. And I sat down, and he said, I need to have a conversation with you. I said, I know, because you're dying, right? He said, how on earth did you know? I said, well, the Spirit told me on the way in, and we had a conversation And he wanted to talk to me because I'm a Harley driver, and he was, and felt he could connect to me. And so we talked and we shared. had the incredible privilege of leading him to Christ, and two months later got a phone call that he passed away. Listening to the Spirit of God, being in a context, being in a place where I'm ready to hear, I want to hear, I want to see, I don't want to miss the moment. It's like coming to church on Sunday morning. Two people, did you ever know this? That two people can come to the same service, the exact same service, exact same music, exact same everything, the same sermon, and walk out responding in two entirely different ways? None of you, I know, but I have heard people (laughs) that will walk into a service and see everything identical to someone else, and one will say, I was so moved. God spoke to me. I I just enjoyed the environment. It was so great to be able to praise the living God. I'm just so delighted that I can come and participate and be a part of this. It was fun to hear the voice of God. It was fun to read the word of God. I I learned something today and have another person seeing all the same things walk out going, I just could not follow that guy. I didn't even know what was in the dumb glass. I have no idea. (laughs) Same service, same environment, same thing. Two vastly different responses. All depends on what you're looking for and what you see. A couple, three lessons out of Simeon's life. One is to look through the eyes of faith, not through the eyes of fact. Simeon looked through the eyes of faith. Some people have to see it to believe it. They live by fact. Some say, I've got to believe it to see it, and they live by faith. I can't prove any of this story to you. 
I can't prove any of it to you. I wasn't there. You weren't there. It's been translated so many different ways for so many years. We, we often wonder, I wasn't there for any of it. But it's a story we've been sharing over and over again for the last 2,000 years. And I'm absolutely certain on this planet, on this place, in this room, that this is absolutely the truth. That the Son of the living God came and dwelt among us, tabernacled with us, came to die as the lady sang about a moment ago, put his life on the line, gave it all so that you and I could have life. I am absolutely certain of that. I've given my life to that, even though I never saw any of it. Some people have to see it to believe it. Others believe, and then they see. Second lesson about his life is keep looking even if you don't. I don't know if you can fully process this, but for 400 years, there have been absolutely nothing said about the Messiah. Now, that may not mean anything to us because we've heard the story all of our lives. And we've heard it over and over again. We've been around the Word of God. We have half a dozen Bibles in our places, and we've heard this story forever. But for 400 years, nothing had been said about the Messiah. For hundreds of years before that, decades and centuries before that, they had talked about the Messiah, when he would come, where he would come, to what city he would be born, the kind of people he would be born to, the reason that he came, and then all of a sudden, silence. For 400 years. You realize how long that is? Four centuries. Ten generations had come and gone. Nothing about the Messiah. And here this guy is, walking into that environment, looking all his life for that one thing that had been predicted hundreds of years before that, and now is here in front of him, and he knows it. What I've been looking for all of my life is here, and I don't want to miss it for anything. And so he comes to the conclusion once he finds it, I'm done. I'm good. Everything is complete. For a lot of people, Christmas is an incredible celebration. An opportunity to be together with family. Mine is here this morning and the rest will be here this afternoon. It's an opportunity just to celebrate and see one another, especially if you don't have the opportunity to do that on a regular basis. To come and sing in a morning like this or on Thursday night and just sing and celebrate. But for everyone, it's not the happiest time. First Christmas without a friend. First Christmas without a mate. First Christmas without a family member. First Christmas without a son or a daughter. First Christmas as a single parent. My encouragement, like Simeon, is to keep looking. Keep looking for his hand of love and grace reaching out to you because even if you can't see it, trust me, it is there. Simeon drew one conclusion after it was all said and done. After a dedication, after parents coming and presenting their child to the Lord, he said, my, my life is complete. Now, in this case, it wasn't any ordinary child. It was a child of the living God. And my same encouragement to you is, if you have not found him and you receive him, I am absolutely certain that your life will never be the same again. And for those of you who have found him and have received him, seen him and receive him, you know as well as I do, your life is complete. Everything you'll ever need in this life and the next is in Christ. And that's why Simeon could say, I'm good. Remember the song we did a while ago, 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm good. 
I've got Jesus. I've got all I need. And I received that child and blessed him and said, my life is full. My life is complete. I'll go home whenever you're ready. If you know Christ as your Savior, you have the exact same assurance that when you receive him as Savior, your life is complete, and more importantly, it's full. And you have the promise of eternity. And that's why he said you could take me home now. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, still looking in this vantage point, not seeing everything, my encouragement to you is this particular time of the year is the best time on this planet and in this time of your life to receive Christ as your Savior. If you do know Christ as your Savior, my encouragement is to learn from the guy we talked about at the beginning. There are going to be a lot of events taking place over the next few days for most of us probably in this room. A lot of people at work, hi, how you doing? Okay, everybody fine? Yep. Everything good? Yeah. Gonna have a great Christmas? Yep. Family coming? Sure. And that's usually sometimes we're not careful where the conversation stops. Maybe that's where it needs to. But what I love for you to do and I, I want to try to do even better than I normally do is just to go into life and this season and this week with eyes wide open. Not miss the, the moment not miss that special person, not miss that one who has found themselves in a situation where this is the first year without a mate, without a friend, without a loved one. I don't want to, just because I don't know what to say, walk on by, because most of them really don't care for all of our accolades. They just want to know I love you and I'm praying for you. So my encouragement is to not miss, just because of the vast array of things we have to do, some wonderful, wonderful moments be with family or friends or people that you work with. Just as I said, to walk into life eyes wide open, knowing that I'm looking to be the hands and feet of Jesus and show and display his love everywhere. Because I'm telling you, you look for it. You will see it. You will see it. But you got to be looking for it. Same story. Two different people, one hypothetical, one real, seeing the same event, vastly different responses. You will see what you're looking for, but you've got to look the right way. I guarantee you, you will find it. And I am guaranteeing you, everything you'll ever need is in Christ. Father, I thank you for the privilege and the opportunity we have as followers of Jesus to display you everywhere we go. And so, Lord, during these next few days, with crazy schedules and a to-do list that's pretty long, and a lot of things that still need to take place and a lot of events to go to, I trust that you will just help us to slow down enough to really enjoy the moment. More importantly, some really quiet time with you. It's a great time of the year, Father, to reflect on what it is that you've given us and what we have in you what we have in each other. I'm so blessed to be in this church. I'm so blessed to be with these people that I love so much and to not just go through the busy activities and miss the wonder of what this season is all about. For those that know you as Savior, it's an opportunity to rejoice that their life because of Christ is complete. And for those who haven't yet, may this be the day the week that they receive you and their life is full. 
name of Jesus, I pray. All through the last few weeks, a number of people have come up at one point or the other for a variety of reasons and have asked me the question, how do I know that I know? How did I know that I know? And we've had the privilege of leading them to faith in Christ. That's the one thing you don't want to miss out on. That's the one thing you want to know for sure. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as Savior, we'd love to offer him to you. We'd love to talk to you about that. We'd love to invite you into the family and let you find out that when you receive him, your life is complete and it is full. So everybody's going to get up and go and do their thing and, and greet one another, and that's awesome. But if you're one of those who would love to talk further, we would love to do that with you today so that you have the opportunity like Simeon to say, Simeon to say, my life is full. I found what I'm looking for, and it's all in Jesus. God bless you. We're looking forward to seeing you on Thursday night for our Christmas Eve celebration. It's going to be a lot of fun. Love to see you there. If for some reason you're traveling and I don't see you, have a great Christmas, and may God bless you in amazing ways.